Section 16 of The Purple Cloud. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Purple Cloud by Matthew Phipps Shell. Section 16. The first thing which I did when the sun was up was to return to that place, and I returned with hard and masterful brow approaching peter's house i saw now what the darkness had hidden from me that on his balcony was someone quite alone there the balcony is a slight open-work wrought-iron structure connected to a small roof by three slender voluted pillars two at the ends one in the middle and at the middle one i saw someone a woman kneeling her arms clasped tight about the pillar and her face rather upward-looking never did i see aught more horrid there were the gracious curves of the woman's bust and hips still well preserved in a clinging dress of red cloth very faded now and her reddish hair floated loose in a large flimsy cloud about her but her face in that exposed position had been quite eaten away by the winds to a noseless skeleton which grinned from ear to ear with slightly dropped underjaw most horrid in contrast with the body and frame of hair i meditated upon her a long time that morning from the opposite pavement an oval locket at her throat contained i knew my likeness for eight years previously i had given it her it was cloda the poisoner i thought that i would go into that house and walk through it from top to bottom and sit in it and spit in it and stamp in it in spite of any one for the sun was now high i accordingly went in again and up the stairs to the spot where i had been frightened and had heard the words and here a great rage took me for i at once saw that i had been made the dupe of the malign wills that beset me and the laughing-stock of those for whom i cared not a fig from a little mahogany table there i had knocked sideways to the ground in my stumble a small phonograph with a great twenty-five inch japan tinned horn which the moment that i now noticed it i took and flung with a great rocket down the stairs for that this it was which had addressed me i did not doubt it being indeed evident that its clockwork mechanism had been stopped by the volcanic scoriae in the midst of the delivery of a record but had been started into a few fresh oscillations by the shock of the fall making it utter those thirteen words and stop i was sufficiently indignant at the moment but have since been glad for i was thereby put upon the notion of collecting a number of cylinders with records and have been touched with indescribable sensations sometimes thrilled at hearing the silence of this eternity broken by those singing and speaking voices so lifelike yet most ghostly of the old dead well the most of that same day i spent in a high chamber at woolwich dusting out and sometimes oiling time fuses a work in which i acquired such facility in some hours that each finally occupied me no more than ninety to a hundred seconds so that by evening i had with the previous day's work close on six hundred 
The construction of these little things is very simple, and I believe effective, so that I should have no difficulty in making them myself in large numbers, if it were necessary. Most contain a tiny dry battery, which sends a current along a bell or copper wire at the running down moment, the clocks being contrived to be set for so many days, hours, and minutes, while others ignite by striking. I arranged in rows in the covered van those which I had prepared, and passed the night in an inn near the barracks. I had brought candlesticks from London in the morning, and arranged the furniture, a settee, chest of drawers, basin stand, table, and a number of chairs, in three-quarter circle around the bed, so getting a triple-row altar of lights mixed with vases of the house containing small palms and evergreens, with this i mingled a smell of ambergris from the scattered contents of some turkish sachets which i had in the bed a bottle of sweet capri wine with bonbons nuts and havanas as i lay me down i could not but reflect with a smile which i knew to be evil upon that steady strong smouldering lust within me which was urging me through all those pains at the arsenal i who shirked every labor as unkingly so however it was and the next morning i was at it again after an early breakfast my fingers at first quite stiff with cold for it blew a keen and january gale by nine i had eight hundred twenty fuses and judging those sufficient to commence with got into the motor and took it round to a place called the east laboratory a series of detached buildings where i knew that i should find whatever i wanted and i prepared my mind for the day's labor in this place i found incredible stores mountains of percussion caps more chambers of fuses small armed cartridges shells and all those murderous explosive mixtures of making and made with which modern savagery occupied its leisure in exterminating itself or at least savagery civilized in its top story only for civilization was apparently from the head downwards and never once grew below the neck in all those centuries those people certainly being more mental than cordial though i doubt if they were genuinely mental either reminding one rather of that composite image of nebuchadnezzar head of gold breast brazen feet of clay head manlike heart cannibal feet bestial like agipeds and mermaids and puzzling undeveloped births however it is of no importance and perhaps i am not much better than the rest for i too after all am of them at any rate their lydites melanites cordites dynamites powders jellies oils marls and civilized barbarisms and obias came in very well for their own destruction for by two o'clock i had so worked that i had on the first cart the phalanx of fuses on the second a goodly number of kegs cartridge cases and cartridge boxes full of powder explosive cottons and gelatines and liquid nitroglycerin and earthy dynamite with some bombs two reels of cordite two pieces of tarred cloth a small iron ladle a shovel and a crowbar the cab came next containing a considerable quantity of loose coal and lastly in the private carriage 
lay four big cans of common oil and first in the laboratory i connected a fuse conductor with a huge ton of blasting gelatin and i set the fuse on the ground time for the midnight of the twelfth day thence and after that i visited the main factory the carriage department the ordnance store department the royal artillery barracks and the powder magazines in the marshes traversing as it seemed to me miles of building and in some i laid heaps of oil-saturated coal with an explosive in suitable spots on the ground floor near woodwork and in some an explosive alone and all i timed for ignition at midnight of the twelfth day hot now and black as ink i proceeded through the town stopping with perfect system at every hundredth door and i lay the faggots of a great burning and timed them all for ignition at midnight of the twelfth day whatever door i found closed against me i drove at it with a maniac malice shall i commit the whole dark fact to paper that deep deep secret of the human organism as i wrought i waxed wicked as a demon and with lowered neck and forward curve of the lower spine and the blasphemous strut of tragic play-actors i went for here was no harmless burning which i did but the crime of arson and a most fiendish though vague malevolence and the rage to burn and rabid and riot was upon me like a dog madness and all the mood of nero and nebuchadnezzar and from my mouth proceeded all the obscenities of the slum and of the gutter and i sent up such hisses and giggles of challenge to heaven that day as never yet has man let out but this way lies a spinning frenzy i have taken a dead girl with wild huggings to my bosom and i have touched the corrupted lip and spat upon her face and tossed her down and crushed her teeth with my heel and jumped and jumped upon her breast like the snake's stamping zebra mad mad i was desolated however that first day of the faggot laying even in the midst of my sense of omnipotence by one thing which made me give some kicks to the motor for it was only crawling so that a good part of the way i was stalking by its side and when i came to that hill near the old dover road the whole thing stopped and refused to move the weight of the train being too great for my horsepower traction i did not know what to do and stood there in angry impotence a full half hour for the notion of setting up an electric station with or without automatic stoking gear presented so hideous a picture of labor to me that i would not entertain it after a time however i thought that i remembered that there was a comparatively new power station in st pancras driven by turbines and at once i uncoupled the motor covered the drays with tarpaulins and went driving at singing speed choosing the emptier by-streets and not caring whom i crushed after some trouble i found in fact the station in an obscure by-street made of two long walls and went in by a window a rage upon me to have my will quickly accomplished i ran up some stairs across two rooms into a gallery containing a switchboard and in the room below saw the works all very neat-looking but as i soon found very dusty i went down and fixed upon a generating set 
there were three that would give a decent load and then saw that the switch gear belonging to this particular generator was in order i then got some cloths and thoroughly cleaned the dust off the commutators ran next for i was in a strange fierce haste and turned the water into the turbines and away went the engine i hurried to set the lubricators running on the bearings and in a couple of minutes had adjusted the speed and the brushes of the generators and switched the current onto the line by this time however i saw that it was getting dark and feared that little could be done that day still i hurried out the station still running got into the car and was off to look for a good electric one of which there are hosts in the street in order at least to clean up and adjust the motor that night i drove down three by streets till i turned in houston road but i had no sooner reached it than i pulled up with sudden jerk with a shout of astonishment that cursed street was all lighted up and gay and three shimmering electric globes not far apart illuminated every feature of a ghastly battlefield of dead and there was a thing there the grinning impression of which i shall carry to my grave a thing which spelled and spelled at me and ceased and began again and ceased and spelled at me for above a shop which faced me was a flag a red flag with white letters fluttering on the gale the words metcalf's stores and beneath the flag stretched right across the house was the thing which spelled letter by letter in letters of light and it spelled two words deliberately coming to the end and going back to recommence drink reboral and that was the last word of civilized man to me adam jeffson its final counsel its ultimate gospel and message to me my good god drink reboral i was put into such a passion of rage by this blatant rivalry which affected me like the laughter of a skeleton that i rushed from the car with the intention i believe of seeking stones to stone it but no stones were there and i had to stand impotently enduring that rape of my eyes its victoriously dogged iteration its taunting leer its drink reboral d r i n k r o b o r a l it was one of those electrical spelling advertisements worked by a small motor commutator driven by a works motor and i had now set it going for on some night before that sabbath of doom the chemist must have set it to work but finding the works abandoned had not troubled to shut it down again at any rate this thing stopped my work for that day for when i went to shut down the works it was night and i drove to the place which i had made my home in sullen and weary mood for i knew that roborall would not cure the least of my sores the next morning i awoke in quite another frame of mind disposed to idle and let things go after rising dressing washing in cold diluted rose-water and descending to the salle à manger where i had laid my morning meal the previous evening i promenaded an hour the only one of these long sombrous tufted corridors in which there were not more than two dead 
though behind the doors on either hand all of which i had locked i knew that they lay in plenty when i was warmed i again went down looked into my motor got three cylinders from one of a number of motors standing near lit up and drove away to woolwich as i thought at first but instead of crossing the river by blackfriars i went more eastward and having passed from holborn into cheapside which was impassable unless i crawled was about to turn when i noticed a phonograph shop into this i got by a side door suddenly seized by quite a curiosity to hear what i might hear i took a good one with microphone diaphragm and a number of record cylinders in a brass handled box and i put them into the car for there was still a very strong peach odour in this closed shop which displeased me i then proceeded southward and westward through by streets seeking some probable house into which to go from the rough cold winds when i saw the parliament house and thither turning riverward by westminster hall to palace yard i went and with my two parcels one weighting each arm walked into this old place along a line of purple-dusted busts i deposited my boxes on a table beside a massive brass thing lying there which i suppose must be what they call the mace and i sat to hear unfortunately the phonograph was a clockwork one and when i wound it it would not go so that i got very angry at my absurdity in not bringing an electric mechanism as i could with much less trouble have put in a chemical than clean the clockwork and this thing put me into such a rage that i nearly tore it to pieces and was half for kicking it but there was a man sitting in an old straight-backed chair quite near me which they called the speaker's chair who was in such a pose that he had every time i glanced suddenly at him precisely the air of bending forward with interest to watch what i was doing a more grabbing kind of man almost black with jewish nose crinkled hair kefi and flowing robe probably i should say an abyssinian gala with him were only five or six people about the benches mostly leaning forward with rested head so that this place had quite a void sequestered mood at all events this gala or bedouin with his grotesque interest in my doings restrained my hands and finally by dint of peering poking dusting and adjusting in an hour's time i got the phonograph to go very well and all that morning and far into late afternoon forgetful of food and of the cold which gradually possessed me i sat there listening musing cylinder after cylinder frivolous songs orchestras voices of famous men whom i had spoken with and shaken their solid hands speaking again to me but thick-tongued with hoarse effort and gurgles from out the vague void beyond the grave most strange most strange and the third cylinder that i put on ah i knew with a fearful start that voice of thunder i knew it well it was the preacher mckay's and many many times over i heard those words of his that day originally spoken it seems when the cloud that had just passed the longitude of vienna and in all that torrent of speech not one single word of i told you so but he cries praise him o earth for he is he
and if he slay me i will laugh raillery at his sword and banter him to his face for his sword is sharp mercy and his poisons kill my death fear not therefore little flock of man but take my comfort to your heart to-night and my sweets to your tongue for though ye have sinned and hardened yourselves as brass and gone far far astray in these latter wildernesses yet he is infinitely greater than your sin and will lead you back break not break not poor broken heart of earth for from him i run herald to thee this night with the sweet and secret message that of old he chose thee and once mixed conjugally with thee in an ancient sleep o afflicted and he is thou and thou art he flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone and if thou perish utterly it is that he has perished utterly too for thou art he hope therefore most and cheeriest smile at the very abscess and black nadir of despair for he is nimble as a weasel and he twists like proteus and his solstices and equinoxes his tropics and turning points and recurrences are innate in being and when he falls he falls like harlequin and shuttlecocks shivering plumb to his feet and each third day lo he is risen again and his defeats are but the stepping-stones and rough scaffolding from which he builds his parthenons and from the densest basalt gush his rills and the last end of this earth shall be no poison cloud i say to you but carnival and harvest home though ye have sinned poor hearts so mackay with thick-tongued metallic effort i found this brown room of the commons house with its green benches and grill galleries so agreeable to my mood that i went again the next morning and listened to more records till they tired me for what i had was a prurient itch to hear secret scandals and revelations of the festering heart but these cylinders gathered from a shop divulged nothing i then went out to make for woolwich but in the car saw the poet's notebook in which i had written and i took it went back and was writing an hour till i was tired of that too and judging it too late for woolwich that day wandered about the dusty committee rooms and recesses of this considerable place in one room another foolishness suddenly seized upon me shewing how my slightest whim has become more imperious within me than all the jaws of the medes and persians for in that room committee room number fifteen i found an apparently young policeman lying flat on his back who pleased me his helmet tilted under his head and near one white-gloved hand a blue official envelope the air of that stagnant quiet room was still perceptibly peach-scented and he gave not the slightest odour that i could detect though he had been corporal and stalwart his face now the colour of dark ashes in each hollow cheek a ragged hole about the size of a sixpence the flimsy vaulted eyelids well embedded in their caverns from under whose fringe of eyelash seemed whispered the word eternity his hair seemed very long for a policeman or perhaps it had grown since death 
but what interested me about him was the envelope at his hand for what i asked myself was this fellow doing here with an envelope at three o'clock on a sunday afternoon this made me look closer and then i saw by a mark at the left temple that he had been shot or felled whereupon i was thrown into quite a great rage for i thought that this poor man was killed in the execution of his duty when many of his kind perhaps and many higher than he had fled their post to pray or riot so after looking at him a long time i said to him well d forty seven you sleep very well and you did well dying so i am pleased with you and to mark my favour i decree that you shall neither rot in the common air nor burn in the common flames for by my own hand shall you be distinguished with burial and this wind so possessed me that i at once went out with a crowbar from the car i broke the window of a near ironmonger's in parliament street got a spade and went into westminster abbey i soon prized up a grave slab of some famous man in the north transept and commenced to shovel but i do not know how by the time i had digged a foot the whole impulse passed from me i left off the work promising to resume it but nothing was ever done for the next day i was at woolwich and busy enough about other matters end of section sixteen